Lots of things go better together. Hockey, food, golf, peanut butter and jelly, Gojo and Golik, Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. What? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Gojo with Mike Golick Jr. That is me. With me, as always, a man who appreciates happy little accidents. Super producer Brandon Newman. Brandon, what's going on? Everything's great, Mike. Uh, happy to be here. Happy to see you. Um, actually, speaking of happy little accidents, potty training last weekend went off very, very well. Let's go. So is he good now in the clear? Like, how does that work? Once you get through it, is that just like the game change now? Hell if I know. I, it's not, I don't know if you ever like really threw it, but it's uh, you, we said goodbye to, to, to diapers. So now uh, we just call them something else when he wears them. <laughs> it's, just a, it's just a rebrand. <laughs> complete. Because it's pull-ups now, and it's a complete rebrand with the pull-ups. Because the pull-ups, the thing about pull-ups, they don't say them. They could call them pull downs too, because like that's the whole point is to be able to pull them down or and pull them up. So he has uh, nighttime underwear that it's okay if he goes in, and he has go to school underwear that it's okay if he goes in. But first day of school, Mike, he pottied three times, got the good report from the teacher. They told us we need to give him more pants that are easy for him to pull down. So they kind of blamed us a little bit, but hell, I was I was very proud of him. Damn, that's big time. And you know what? Having underwear for different points of the day in different locations, totally normal behavior. I got underwear that I'm not going to wear out in like major social settings, a little more beat up, a little more worn down by the sands of time. That's just my lounging around at home underwear. Speaking of the sands of time, I learned this in LA. One of the best hacks, instead of taking a shower, switch them under, switch them draws up. Just just change the draws and, and, and start all oh, over again. Yep. No. Yep. What? Yeah. Why not? Because, because so? then it's, you're just getting a tight that window new pair around. 
But, like, you're just getting that new underwear all musty and shit instead of, like, that feeling of getting out of the shower and then putting on a fresh new pair of underpants and sealing your lotioned body inside them. It's fantastic. True, but this is what I'm talking about is, like, putting something sneaky in a Ziploc bag. Like, as long as you don't unlock the Ziploc bag once, then everything's kind of concealed. The first time you go to the bathroom, it's all... What are we talking about today? I will say about potty training and never really being done i didn't get a chance to say this last week and i feel like i need to deal with you honestly i peed my bed last week mike <laughs> like in the middle of the night i woke up and i was having one of those dreams where you go to the bathroom and I was face down on my bed, and all of a sudden, I woke up and realized I had gone to the bathroom. Like, a, and not like it wasn't soaked, but it was a immediately had to take the sheets off and get them started in the watch amount of piss. Oh, your dad said y'all never stopped. Your dad came on this podcast last week and said that you, you still, you still, be well, pe- y'all still be peeing. Well, no, most of that's like we had shit ourselves, which I think is just normal adult behavior when you lose control of farts. This one was entirely different because I had lost control inside of a dream. So I just, I wanted to play with the cards up around here because I knew you were going through that and I don't want Carter to be discouraged if things maybe don't go so well on one particular day because it's not about how you finish. It's about how you get started the next day. Amen to that. And, uh, I'm sorry you had to go through that because having to wash your sheets in the middle of the night for any reason, not very fun because the bed ain't the same afterwards. And you just, you know, I don't know where you sat in that apartment while you just thought about your life. But I do feel bad for you in those instances. I went and laid down on the couch. I put myself in timeout. Yeah. Yeah. That, that That's about right. But I also want to say we're going to throw somebody under the bus. We don't say his name, but we talk about him a lot on this podcast. Official visit. Do you remember how uh, I can't say his name, but. The, the the drunk I thought it was going to be a drunk pee accident and my favorite drunk pee accident was in our official visit when we were in high school and I went to a, somebody's room to wake them up and they had they were sleeping in the bathtub and they had their outfit that they were wearing the night before laid out perfectly on the ground as if they were ironing ironing on the floor and then just pee all over it so like they laid their outfit out on the ground and just pissed all over it and then fell asleep in the tub i'm not gonna mention them because that story is great but that's one of my favorite drunk pee stories i feel like college is just an exercise for at least men in how many places can i pee and the answer boys and girls is a lot. We got a great show for you guys today here. Uh, NFL Top 5, Bottom 5 is back this week. Very excited. It timed up on a Tuesday well. We're also going to talk to Dave Hellman, one of the co-hosts of Speak on FS1. He's covered the Cowboys for a whole mess of years to come in and talk about the aftermath now a day later of what happens with Dak Prescott, Mike McCarthy, these coordinators in the general state of Cowboy Nation. I'm just realizing you said what you said off the top because I'm wearing a Bob Ross shirt. I apologize. I'm never on the same page with you until like 10 minutes later. 
We're all working on tape delay. We're all doing our best here. And Brandon, that's actually a perfect theme for today because if Monday in football season is overreaction Monday, then I feel like we have a little bit of like reverbed reaction on Tuesday as we all kind of see and get to digest the different things that happen, watch how people go through and go about their process. So I wanted to play a little game with you called Read and React since you're a former defensive lineman. Obviously, technique taught to you all along the way. You're trying to mirror the offensive lineman. You're trying to read and react and make a play I want to read you a series of reactions that we had coming off the weekend and see what you thought about essentially react to the reactions so to speak are you okay with that I am I love it so much everyone on this podcast already knows that this is how I operate on on a regular basis preparing for what I read and react uh which way are you going I'm going to try to follow you and clearly I'm a, I'm a few steps off so this should be interesting there we go. I look forward to your very coherent answers in about 10 minutes when we're in the middle of the David Hellman interview. Um, Brandon, let's start off uh, with this one. Read and reaction. The Cowboys, as we mentioned, lost this weekend, which means that America's foremost Cowboys fan in sports talk media had to go out there and make his feelings known. Skip Bayless, one of the co-hosts mm. of Undisputed, was seen on Twitter in a very poorly choreographed video taking his Dak Prescott jersey and very dramatically huffing, puffing, and throwing it in the garbage can. Brandon, I am amazed at just how long someone can do the job, essentially pro wrestling on the main screen that Skip Bayless has yeah. done, and still be that bad of an actor. <laughs> it's not, that's, that's the thing, Mike. He's not a bad actor. He's a bad at uh, reenacting his feelings, because I really do think that he's upset that way. Uh, but I just feel for poor Ernestine in that moment. That's Skip's wife, uh, who is just the only person that ever can come near to that apartment. So you know that's the person filming. And uh, she I, I can't imagine how many takes it goes through. Skip seems like a one-take guy. And I hope there's not multiple takes of that very robotic uh, force movement. But yes, very bad actor. Other than on uh, Undisputed commercials, I believe him there. I believe him there, too. I feel like as The Bachelor's new season just got started, that's a show where I feel like very often there's some of the scenes that we're getting the second or third time around. Yes. That yes, had yes, to yes. at least be the third take on that. Because you could see him in the back hallway, fake huffing and puffing already. You could kind of see his shadow out there. That felt like something where he might have initially had that reaction in real time. And then yeah. it was so good, he said, Ernestine, get the camera. It's time to go. Yes, By the yes, way, also, he also he also set the tempo for the rest of the Cowboys fans that we saw on the internet out here breaking TVs everywhere. Breaking TVs, Mike. I'm telling you, and this is uh, we talked about this pre-show. It's 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 fake. Everyone's trying to do stuff for social media. Uh, flat screen TVs are as cheaper than they ever been. You can go to Best Buy and get a Geek Squad one from Insignia or whatever else you want. Uh, Roku, Amazon Fire, everybody got flat screen TVs and they're they're worthless. So they're about thirty dollars, and everyone who's a Cowboy fan knew damn well how that game was going to end, and they were ready to put that fist through it or just uh, let, I'll say everyone had their cameras ready because they know this the TV was going to get destroyed, and it's like who's going to get who's going to get retweeted most. I do like the idea that Cowboys fans treat flat screen TVs the way Buffalo Bills fans treat collapsible parking lot tables. Oh yes, America's team, right? They're like it's not the tables, it's the TV. 
Yeah, look, you have to upgrade it a little bit more because it's got to be a little bit more expensive than a collapsible yeah. parking lot TV because this is the Cowboys and everything costs more money. But I, I am with you because there was one of those videos where the guy was watching on what looked like a third, like a like a twenty-five or thirty-inch TV in his room, and people are like, "There's no way you had all those people in there watching." And that one that seemed like a prop TV that you had set up to die. Yeah, we, listen, we we get we hip to y'all, and also I feel bad for Skip Bayless again. Just bring back to him because everyone's criticizing his kitchen now, saying like, "Why do you got rug in the kitchen?" And and you know I'm he has an Anchorman poster that I thought was pretty dope, but also like, why is that in Skip Bayless's house? I imagine Will Ferrell probably signed it. Kitchen just seemed a little smaller than I expected. Skip's made a lot of money. I was just a little surprised at the size of the kitchen. Maybe that's his like other other house. Maybe no, that's no, the, no, no, maybe no. that's the house that he goes and breaks TVs in during Cowboys games. As someone who used to work with him at Fox Sports, he lives around the corner from the station, which means you're only working with so much space in those like you know lofty, beautiful apartments. That he's got a small kitchen, but you know probably a great view. All right, well, let's continue to read and react with the other half of that show. Shannon Sharp had to issue an almost three-minute apology on show for his outburst on the sideline at the Lakers-Grizzlies game where he apologized to damn near everyone. And, Brandon, my only beef with this apology was that I wasn't apologized to because he was going to apologize to everybody else, including LeBron James, Dylan Brooks, his bosses at Fox, and his stylist. I feel like the rest of us couldn't have gotten a more individualized shout-out. Yes, I listen. He didn't mention Sterling Sharp at all, which I thought was disrespectful. Oh, um, yeah. His kids were one of the last people that got uh, apologized to, so I felt like the whole thing was disingenuous. And like you said, his stylist, now that was his plus one to the game, so he got pulled into the mess. So if, if you got into some mess at the late, at the Clippers game, and I was with you, and you said, come on, let's go to the Clippers game, and you pulled me into some stuff, I'd expect an apology. So I'm going to get shoot him some bail that way, uh, but... That, that sweater has been topic of a lot of conversations. When you get a, your sweater posted by LeBron James, everybody's got an opinion on it. Where, where do you stand with that sweater that Shannon was wearing, that his stylist dressed him in for that event? So I, I feel conflicted because I liked the sweater, and I feel good because it was chosen by a stylist, and it was worn by a rich, famous person. Like, you look at mm. Shannon Sharp pretty consistently. He's dressed in very nice things. Yes, but then everywhere I went today, I heard a lot of people, especially a lot of women that I know, saying that the sweater looked terrible. So now I'm like, do I know what looks good at all? <laughs> it, it, isn't a fashion a little bit of getting weight to be told what looks good? So I feel like most of fashion is just confidently wearing something enough and then mm, being yep. liked enough to where people won't tell you it's bad. Right, and that, which is why I like what Shannon does with his suits on the show because a, a lot of people who are really into fashion say suits are cheating because you could just match a couple things and are, you already have the thing. It's it's a suit. It's quite literally a suit. There's no uh, accoutrement, accents, and things. That, and that's why I think Shannon brings to the, uh, to the table, and I, I appreciate that. But the apology was way too long, and in my opinion, to bring it back to Skip, I thought he just kind of, he, he used it as a vehicle to throw some shade at his partner because we've talked about the, the beef that they got into recently. Uh, and I believe Skip would not apologize for disrespecting Shannon and comparing him to Tom Brady for whatever random point. And one of the oh. big things that he said, one of the big pause moments, it was like when in a rap song where the music drops out, you're really supposed to listen. He said, I am big enough to admit when I'm wrong and I'm sorry. Wow, so you think this whole po- apology was an elaborate ruse to show him how it's done. 
you got to you got to you got to get the skip some way. And you know what? Considering that Shannon's chief beef with Skip seems to have been him constantly being cut off, him always stepping on his words, the fact that he went three minutes uninterrupted on that show seems like maybe another layer to that onion. I Listen, I love that, and I also love the concept of the segment chief beef we got to make sure it's not uh, any like uh, it's culturally correct and stuff but if it is we running with it all nba season chief chief beef where we get high eat steak and then watch the nba Ooh, okay mm, got too excited yeah let's see live stream that one sponsors possibly you you brandon actually writing that down in his little notebook all right um one more here for read and react brandon stefan diggs took to twitter firing off after uh his outburst on sunday for anyone that missed it during the bills loss to the Bengals on the sidelines stefan diggs was seen showing up his quarterback uh josh allen he then quickly left the stadium after the game and then took to twitter and in three tweets which were described as some by as cryptic, which does not make sense when you hear this, um, tweeted out in succession, want me to be okay with losing? Nah. Next tweet, want me to be okay with our level of play when it's not up to the standard? Nah. It's easy to criticize my reaction more than the result. Brandon? Yeah. I don't think that's cryptic. No. I think that is uh, segmented. Uh, maybe uh, a run-on sentence broken up. Maybe he thinks the the sin button was a comma every time. So, I think what it is is someone who's decided they're not going to back down. Like, mm. again, one of the easy things just be like, hey, you know what? It's an emotional game. Me and Josh love each other. We're cool. Like, nothing right. to worry about yes, there. Yes. High-level competitor. But... We remember, as the positional breakdown of players tweeting goes, wide receivers always have to have the most cryptic tweets possible at any given moment yeah. in time. So is their birthright. Yeah, yeah. I, And also, maybe this is too like less fun, but to hear from the rest of the Bills... And they're just talking about how it's just you know emotionally draining and the season and like every other thing uh, that's not just like me, 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 me. For him to just be be ringing that bell, it's just it's just indicative of a wide receiver, Mike. And I said I, I don't I don't I can't speak on him because I have negative feelings towards him sometimes as a defensive lineman. But I'll catch you in a bubble screen. I, honestly, oh. you know what? I'm not actually all that mad at it. Like I can empathize with the situation. My family used to pretty religiously play some high level competitive miniature golf games at the Farmington Valley Miniature Golf Course down by the river in Connecticut. Like, all of us, everyone in my family at one point was an individual record holder for their age group at that miniature golf course. We weren't new to this. We're true to this. There was soft serve Mm -hmm. ice cream at stake after each round. So it was high stakes poker. My dad was the worst winner on planet Earth. We all hated losing to him more than we loved winning. So much so that during one round, I actually took my club and launched it into the Farmington River during the round because I had lost to my dad on a hole, probably like hole 16 or 17. So we didn't even have to really play out the final hole. So I get what he's coming about here. It wasn't up to the standard. Did they want me to be happy about losing that round? No, that's not how I was raised. So I had to make sure people understood exactly how I felt in that moment. Yeah, but when, okay. When people get mad, you got to go in. You can't you can't just see red and be a bull and just run into the first thing you see moving. 
No, you know what? Sometimes you got to show people exactly how much it means to you. And I showed them probably, I would estimate the value of that club somewhere around $12. So I was $12 worth of mad. Okay, okay, that's fair. And you, you got a chance to show your white privilege. Yes, exactly, that too. Um, which, you know, never miss an opportunity. Uh, which is priceless. By, by the way, um, his last tweet was the one that I enjoyed the most. Does that sound better than this? Tell me if you can make sense of this reaction from Micah Parsons, whose team obviously ended their season this last weekend. Micah Parsons tweeted out, Live in a place where people praise your failures and criticize your success. Find love within yourself. Brandon, that sounds like a wide receiver tweet if I've ever heard one because it fundamentally, to me, makes no sense. I about to say, uh, they talk about Stefan Diggs' tweets being cryptic. Those are pretty straightforward. This is cryptic. I don't know what book of poetry he's reading, maybe some Maya Angelou. I, I, I don't know where Michael Parsons' head is at, but he's got that dog in him, so you know, I translate it as roof, roof, bark, bark. He's definitely got that dog in him here. I'm just not sure, like how it would be beneficial to be at a place where someone praises your failures and then criticizes your success. That seems like a hater. No, it seems or like maybe he's describing is... a hater and he's saying that's going to be where you live. So you've got to find peace within yourself. He's saying, don't be motivated, motivated. Don't be motivated by outside praise because you'll get brought down by outside criticism i think i think that's the kind of the the you know genesis not genesis the essence of what he's actually trying to say is is be somewhere who's going to be open enough to criticize you while you're doing well and praise you while you're yeah like that's that's what i'm saying i couldn't tell because he said live there making it sound like he wants to move to that place where people are praising your failures and criticizing your success Maybe he's saying you actually live there now. I'm not really sure. Either way, um, what he did to our buddy Mike McGlinchey in that game really speaks louder than anything he could say in a tweet. So True, but I, I never thought I could really like identify with Michael Parsons, but I'm there with him because at one point in time in these hundred some out episodes, I've, I've gotten caught reading the comments, looking at this, that, and the third, and I was like, you know what? I'm doing it for them. And then I just got lost in the sauce, and I just sort of had to tap in. I had to do it for me. So, I feel him. That's that's what it's all about, Brandon. Um, all right, so that's Read and React here. Um, just something light, just to warm them up, since we got a lot of people like out that. here on I these like Twitter that. streets working. Let's get back to a bread and butter. It's been a couple weeks since we have done this. NFL Top 5, Bottom 5, coming off the divisional round. I got the Top 5. You got the Bottom 5. If people are new here or have been away for the last couple of weeks, we alternate 5-1, to one, going from the best and worst of the NFL weekend that was. Brandon, I want to start uh, the Top 5 with number five. This one goes out to Matt Ryan. I don't know if you saw Matt Ryan was a guest analyst on the CBS desk before uh, pregame this past weekend. And no. he ended up having a key and peel moment. So he was on the set sitting in between Boomer Esiason okay. and Nate Burleson. Okay. And as they were introducing him, he got caught on camera going to Nate's side and giving him the dap. And then leaning over to Boomer oh. and giving him the handshake. He code switched oh. in real time there in a way oh, that we have only Matt. seen in like the Key and Peel president sketch. Oh, Matt. Matt, Matt isn't, has Matt not watched Nate on CBS this morning? Like, he's, he's ready for the handshake. He, he, I, I, I respect like, that he dapped him up. 
everyone defaults to the locker room standard, Brandon. Like, True. he knows he's, like, played more recently. Like, Nate's been in the locker yes. room more recently, so it's, like, that kind of admission of that. Whereas, you know... Matt Ryan's probably grown up watching Boomer in a bunch of different oh, settings. Man. And so it's a little different. It's the same way, you know, perfect example, a lot of the guys that are currently in the NFL that are age. Zach Martin's a future Hall of Famer, yet every time he sees my dad, he calls him Mr. Golick. Old habits yes. die hard, things that you just can't break there. So I respect that move from Matt Ryan. Yeah, I, I like it. And and uh, mucho respect on both sides, I imagine. That's, that, that's, by, that was that, what that's communicating. By the way, there's no greater feeling than when you're the one getting the dap, though. Marcus Freeman, uh, when I went out to a practice, it was me and my dad. I watched as my dad got the handshake, and I got the dap, and I Ooh. felt alive. Ooh. I felt that in my groin. That was great. Um, okay, let me go to bottom five. And I'm gonna go. I'm gonna give it to the NFL for Ticketgate, uh, Mike. Uh, the mm. way they put the battery in the backs of the Cincinnati Bengals by pre-selling AFC Championship tickets for Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen, aka the Kansas City Chiefs and the Buffalo Bills. Uh, after the game, uh, Zach Taylor, head coach of the Bengals, said that. Uh, issued an apology to the NFL. Uh, everyone said that they felt disrespected. Joe Mixon, uh, I thought that the NFL put themselves in the middle of something that they had no business in. And kind of speaking how everyone else in America sp spoke or thinks, not giving respect to the B the Bengals, even though they just, spent, they just went to the Super Bowl last year. This was the NFL putting business before anything else because I think they were floating a trial balloon to see how popular this idea might be because mm. they saw all those tickets getting sold and realized you could probably make a little bit more money doing one of these neutral site games the way they want to to try and see if it might be viable later on. They're not slick. We were all worried that this might be something that might get legs, and I'm glad it didn't happen this time around because those games need to stay being played at the home, game, at the home site of the one seed in whatever conference it is. So shame on you, NFL, for trying to pull that one y'all aren't slick um number four brandon uh on the top five i'm gonna go with george kittle uh in general his game this weekend for the san yeah. francisco 49ers george kittle uh largely ended up being the catalyst for the win in this game offensively we talked about going in the dallas defense had a much harder time i thought defending catches from running backs defending catches from wide receivers but instead, uh, what we got was George Kittle doing more of the thing that we've become accustomed to with him. Five catches for 95 yards on five targets in that game. And then he did the thing, which is my favorite thing in the world, where he looks at the sky cam, the spider cam. He broke yes. the fourth wall. Yes. Greg mm -hmm. Olson, his buddy, who they've spent time at tight end U together, obviously were both peers in the NFL for around the same time, watched him just staring up and looking into it. It brought me back. Do you remember when Trey Sermon, the running back for Ohio State, did that in the game? He had that like sly little grin look up into the sky cam that ended up getting gift on the internet? No. I'm no. It's my favorite movie convention. In all those movies, yeah. like the big short where they turn to the camera and they address yes. the audience and they break the fourth wall, it's one of my favorite conventions for the stage of the silver screen, and I love when NFL players lean into it. So shout out to you, George. And, and shout out to Deadpool, uh, famous... Uh, Breaker me, of the fourth famous, wall? Yeah, but I'm trying to figure out how to... Comic book character, comic book superhero, superhero famously breaking the fourth wall always. Um and it ironically is a spider cam so spider-man didn't necessarily do it but he does have the joker heath ledger's joker tattooed on his forearm so i feel like he might appreciate that uh that comic book reference absolutely what do you got brandon 
Okay, bottom. Uh, we talked about it, so I don't have to talk about it. Stefan Dix. Yep. Understandable. Totally get it. Um, again, I don't think anything really comes of it, but just one of those things. You don't want that to be the lasting image of yourself and this season. I, I just, I really do love the brotherhood of football. And I think that, you know, the Jamar Chase, uh, Joe Burrow, the fact that he got him drafted because that's just his boy and they're doing well together. Like, I, I love the brotherhood between those two. It's sad that uh, that this game, like, like, that the game will come between them. You hate to see it. You hate to see it. Uh, number three, Brandon, uh, for me on this list, I'm going to go with the Brett Maher redemption field goals. We saw a man go through the yips in real time over the course of two playoff games on extra points, yeah. missing four in the first game and then getting the first one blocked in this game. So for him to come back and bang out two field goals, including a 43-yarder after the confidence in him was shaky at the beginning, I just like to see a redemption story so that man doesn't have to go into the offseason with that being the last taste in his mouth. Yeah, I, I'm. I don't know if that's enough, though, Mike. He still might lose his job. Still might, but again, at least he can go out and show them his most recent tape of him hitting field goals to try and get signed by somebody else. Okay, well, this is perfect, Mike, because uh, number three for me, Dak Prescott. Uh, Dak Prescott's at the bottom. Uh, I, I, we'll leave it up to Dave to to kind of leave some uh, add some real color to Dak Prescott and his season and everything that's going on with him. But for a lot of people that were fighting for that man, he went out there and, and proved the opposite argument. And, and I feel bad for him. Uh, I, I obviously rooting for all black quarterbacks, but also just him and his story and everything he's done ever since he hit the NFL and how much of a stand-up character he appears to be in the media, always talking to kids and stuff. He's just a good guy to have as the starting quarterback for the most – uh, money getting cash getting team in the NFL and for him to fail the way he did <laughs> sucks I think it's tough and we do talk with Dave a lot about that it's tough being the quarterback on that team and also getting one of the contracts that indicates that you're a difference maker at that position that may not be truthfully indicative of just how much of an impact I think we assume that everybody can do the Mahomes and Burrow thing when in reality there's only a handful of guys that are really capable of that um yeah. Brandon number two for me on the top five the Eagles offensive line. Got to give love to Beef. Again, adding to a banner year for these guys where they put out a Christmas album as well in the middle of all yeah. this that was an absolute sure. smash hit. They continue to just beat faces in. And uh, this was another one. A great shot that went viral of Jason Kelsey dump trucking a large D tackle for the New York Giants. Just unbelievable leverage player for a guy that like by the end of the season Jason Kelsey can't weigh more than 275 280 pounds he's never been an overly big guy but he's so quick laterally and he's so strong and technically sound that they just absolutely forklifted guys rushed for 268 yards in this game and just owned the Giants all day long on the ground yeah, I'm just going to let that feed into my next one, Mike, because uh, the Giants in, in this amazing season that they were able to pull off, ending it the way they did, scoring seven points mm. to the Eagles' 38. It, it was just embarrassing in a way that you don't really see in football much, especially not professional football, especially not a team that had been doing so many good things uh, it, so well, especially on deep. Uh, defense obviously was their weak point, but on offense, Mike, it just it just felt bad. And the New York Giants, uh, who say now that they want to build around Daniel Jones, yeah. and quote unquote would like to have Saquon Barkley, 
I know last uh, yesterday we talked about the fact that I think that you know the Giants are handicapped at the fact that their best player is Saquon Barkley. Well, looks like their best player on offense is Daniel Jones moving forward, which throws a big wrench into the whole thing. So I j- just hate to see it in this way, especially uh, Saquon Barkley. Like for that to be his possible last game with the Giants, if what he did with that franchise, that it sucks. It was weird to hear that from Joe Shane, their GM, who sounded very much like they wanted to bring Daniel Jones back, and that was the priority, and then very much seemed to give that tenor of positional value that we see with running backs in the modern age, despite the fact that the way that they structured their team and the way Brian Dable chose to operate seemed to indicate that they only trusted their quarterback so much and that their running back was the most talented player on that offense. We'll wait and see if they're able to flip that up the other way, if they're able to bring another guy in, or if they're able to do the franchise game. We know there's a lot of permutations of that that may be coming. Brandon, number one was easy this week. Joe Burr, Snow Joe, Joe Shiesty, whatever you want to call him. Joe Burrow's world, and we were all just living it. Benner send those refunds. He had the bar after the game. He had the reel before the game. And in the middle of the game, all he did was go out there and pick apart a Buffalo defense that was supposed to be one of the best in the league. I, I feel like I haven't seen him sweat, and I know that's like a phrase that you say, but I feel like I haven't seen him sweat. He's one of those guys that very effortlessly pulled off getting his new rich people teeth. Ooh, he did that? Yeah, I think so. I, I don't pee. think I think those aren't his like old teeth. I, maybe I shouldn't be starting rumors, but it just seemed like he got a very nice big new smile once he got all that money. And I don't knock him. There's plenty of guys that have done it, but it just seemed like that was the case. Hey, I, I shout out to him because he brought the bucket back, and I'm I'm always shout out to Schoolboy Q. I'm always down for the bucket. I got plenty of them waiting for you know. I call them fishermen's hats. Um, but Joe Cool, man, I, I, I love his style. Um, but to go to the other huge AFC Championship quarterback, the one that he will be facing, Patrick Mahomes getting injured. That's yeah. got to be number one for the the t- uh, bottom five for me. Um, his leg looked like a spaghetti noodle under Corey Peters and, and, and Key. Uh, I don't – I was inspired by how he was playing quarterback on one leg in, yeah. in a way that – like we, that's one of the – that's one of the traditionally softer positions on right. the football field in general. They don't get a lot of credit for how much they get smacked after the play. Uh, and I know pass interference calls are, are wildly uh, misrepresented and, and just like – a bad call a lot of times, but especially as defensive linemen, but quarterbacks get banged up because defensive linemen and other defenders want to make sure that they, they want to try to slowly chip away at that player throughout the game. Cause they know it'll make a difference when it comes to the fourth quarter. So to see that Patrick Mahomes actually got really, really banged up. And, and I said, I was optimistic about him coming back from the injury. I am, but we've seen Patrick Mahomes not be able to shake things like this off before. So I I feel like we may be looking at a, a, a worse AFC championship game because of the injury. It sucks. He's the best player in pro football right now. He is going to be the MVP of the league this year. And he's, I should say the best quarterback in pro football right now, going to be the MVP this year. And you're right. We are going to get a worst best game of the AFC season because of it. And that sucks. I will say there was something nostalgic to your point though. 
in an era where we have so much focus on the head injuries that have become a really uncomfortable visual at different points, and we went through all the stuff with Tua this year, it was nice to see someone toughing out an old-fashioned injury. Like, you weren't worried about the long-term ramifications. This isn't a conflict injury where we've got to worry about a bunch of the long-term stuff. It was just a guy who was going to be out there no matter what and was going to make sure that he was there for his team. And it's one of those things that we talk about the sport where in some way, shape, or form, everybody's selling out and giving up and putting their body on the line for the guy next to them. And that was one of the most crystal clear images of that for a guy that's worth half a billion dollars and plays the glamour position and could have easily sat that thing down and said, hell no, that's not going to be me. It was an example of uh, Patrick Mahomes 50% is better than our backups 100%. And and maybe that's not the case with with Chad Henney. Um, But I was happy to see that he was... I mean, he's got a passion for the game that's really unmatched, and uh, regardless of how, how soft his voice is, he's a hard-nosed player. And I just, I love, I love to see him out there, and I love to see that he wants to be out there. It was incredible stuff. Uh, that is top five, bottom five from the NFL divisional round. We are going to take a quick break, and when we come back, David Hellman from Speak on FS1 going to join us to talk about them Cowboys. Growing up playing sports, I learned really quickly that how you do the little things is how you're going to do everything. That's why coaches always harped on us about having our hand behind the line on sprints or picking up our locker because that was going to directly translate to critical moments on the field, making sure we're lined up right, taking the right steps so we can go out there and execute and win ball games. Small actions can have big benefits, just like how taking care of your gut can support your entire body's health. That's where our friends at Seed come into play. Seed's DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic is going to benefit your gut, skin, and heart health in just two little capsules a day. I just got my welcome kit and started taking Seed's DSO-1 myself and I'm loving it. I love the convenience of being able to have it in the cabinet with my other supplements because you don't need to worry about refrigerating it and I love the free travel vial that comes along with it. I'm constantly on the road and so being able to take DSO-1 with me on the go is huge for my lifestyle here. I'll tell you what else I love is the fact that it's backed by science. DSO-1 was developed in collaboration with Seed Scientific Board and based on their foundational work in probiotics and the microbiome and with new clinical trials and breakthrough research published in top scientific journals, Seed's probiotic research, development, and innovation programs make DSO-1 a product you can trust. And it's great in convenience, too. Probiotics and prebiotics work best when they're used consistently, just like any other routine health habit. And Seed's subscription service is going to easily help build DSO-1 into your routine, again, with no refrigeration required. So, trust your gut with Seed's DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic. Go to seed.com slash gojo and use code 25gojo to get 25% off your first month. That's 25% off your first month of Seed's DSO-1 DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic at seed.com slash gojo, code 25gojo. All right, very excited to welcome in Cowboys reporter and the co-host of Speak on FS1. Really, I think that means the guy that you've seen having to publicly defend the Cowboys at every turn on that show, David Hellman, joining the podcast. What's going on, man? You know what's funny? I'm thrilled to be here. It's funny because like in Cowboy world... I've usually been the negative guy. Like I'm usually like the realist in cowboy world, but then you transport me onto a bigger platform and I, then I become the cowboy Homer. Like it's never the, well, the dividing line with the Cowboys is so weird. Basically. Like if you like in one world, if you have anything critical to say, you're a hater, 
but then you come into the mainstream where most people don't like the Cowboys and like, I'm, I'm Mr. Dallas now, but I guess that's just kind of the way it goes. It's the family business thing where it's like, you're allowed to say it inside the Cowboys fraternity, but yes. then you get out in public and it's like, no, 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 you, you guys all can't talk about us like that. Seriously. No, I'm like, yeah, there's definitely an element of it where it's like, okay, Take shots at the Cowboys in the ways that they deserve, but like this feels out of pocket. Come on. Come on now. I, I did love sort of the inverse of that, where in the wake of the Cowboys losing in the postseason, everybody started freaking out because the Cowboys official team account posted something that was like mildly critical of Dak Prescott in a way that absolutely sent people into a tailspin. It's, I would say, so I worked for DallasCowboys.com for 10 years before I joined Fox. And it's as as an alum of that site of that media group. It's so funny. Like we we always like we have a little more leeway than your average team to be critical to speak our minds. Like it's not uncommon for our personalities or their personalities now. But like it's not uncommon. But like once every two or three years, we do or say something that kind of catches the mainstream eye and everybody's like, what the hell is going on? Like the Cowboys are trashing their own quarterback. Like I remember I'm dating myself, but one year we wrote a column about how this is how long ago this was. Cause it was like Zeke Elliott wasn't anything <laughs> at the time. And we wrote a, we wrote a thing about how the Cowboys needed to go after Adrian Peterson. They were like, this team needs a running back. They need a running game. They need this, they need that. And it just, it caught the right person's eye. And all of a sudden we were in the middle of a tampering conversation. Like, oh, <laughs> like, oh, the Cowboys are gunning for another team's player. Like, this is tampering. Like, Jerry, Jerry must have told these guys to write this. And like, in reality, we're just a couple of writers sitting around like, oh, this would be a good idea for a column. And like, I would like once every three or four years, uh, DallasCowboys.com does something that pisses everybody off. So I guess we were just overdue. Hey, that's incredible. It's, it's good. It's a good understanding of timing and it keeps up the theories like that because it's like when you go and see a movie or every time you read a book, everyone's looking for some deeper meaning to something that most often isn't there. Everyone right. wants to believe that you guys are some sort of masterminds being controlled by Jerry Jones and his ivory tower. And so you all get lumped into whatever weird YouTube conspiracy theory they've got. It's, I promise you your favorite team or your least favorite team, like the social team, the writing team, we spend 90% of our time tucked away in a broom closet with nobody worrying about what we're doing. So, you know, disavow yourselves of the notion that Jerry Jones is spending a ton of time worrying what we're up to. But it was funny. There you go. So if nothing else, you come away from this podcast, leave the social media people and the writers for your team alone when it comes to your <laughs> theories about whatever your team may be up to. We're just trying to collect a paycheck, man. <laughs> Shit. Ain't that, ain't that the <laughs> truth? Um, well, uh, speaking of, uh, of that, the Dallas Cowboys and the reaction that we've seen since their loss this weekend, I, I know a lot of anything, I, I reference this a lot, but Ryan Rosillo had a tweet one time that most of Twitter is reading a book and then reacting after every page to whether it's the best or worst story ever written. And that seems to be a lot of the experience of being the Dallas Cowboys quarterback, being Dak Prescott. So just baseline, coming off this weekend, where are you at with Dak Prescott as far as his tenure with the Cowboys and what we know at this point coming off this weekend? 
this this and now that it's over, we can say this because there's always there's an element of like, okay, well, maybe they'll get it together. Maybe Dak will stop with the picks this week. Um, but now that it's over, this is this has been a tough year, obviously for Dak, but also I think, and I'll I'll lump myself in here. Anybody that follows my work, I think, would probably call me a Dak truther. I'm definitely I'm on the side of the argument that Dak Prescott is a much better quarterback than he often gets credit for. Nobody's ever tried to claim that he's on that Patrick Mahomes level or maybe now the Joe Burrow level, whoever you think are like the top three. Uh, But I think Dak fits comfortably in that jumble of guys where on his best day, he's a top 10 quarterback who can win you a ball game. And on his worst day, he's somewhere around league average. Like the numbers bear this out. The win-loss records bear this out. The ability to get to the playoffs bears this out. I mean, in six seasons, in six healthy seasons, we'll give him a, a mulligan for 2020 because he got hurt. In six healthy seasons, he's made it to the playoffs four times. I think that's pretty good. And more often than not, he's been a pretty good quarterback during that stretch. But this year is a tough one because it's it's hard to hide from the warts, I guess you would say. I mean, he had a problem with turnovers. He threw 17 of them. And if you watch that game, sure, no play, no, no game is ever distilled down to one snap. But the defense was good enough to win. Uh, the offensive line gave him enough time to make plays. Special teams got him a takeaway in opposing territory, not to mention a very long kick return. So this game, more than any other game, I was actually just writing this for Fox Sports, selfless pl- or selfish plug. Um, this game, th- this was his fourth playoff loss. This one, I think you have to pin on him. You have to say, yeah, Dak Prescott, you did not play well enough. Uh, whereas the other three, I think there were bigger reasons that led to those losses. This was Dak. Um, and we can quibble all we want about the supporting cast or the fact that Tony Pollard left the game hurt, but uh, there were plays there to be made and he didn't make them. And so I think, like I said, I think this is a tough year for people that think the way I do about Dak because um, the results didn't back up what I think about him. And now I think it's, this is an interesting uh, inflection point in his career because now I think this is really the first time where I think like, the narrative is truly going to be against him. And uh, it'll, it'll be interesting to see where he goes from here. Like the, the parallels to him and Tony Romo are kind of eerie. They really are in the sense that like the older he gets, the more the, the public perception of him declines, the more advanced he gets as a passer. I think the more, the fewer people are on his side. And obviously with the salary, the harder it gets to put a complete team around him. So uh, I'm I'm fascinated to see to see where it goes from here. If you can kind of course correct from this downturn, it's amazing too. Because if we had shut this whole thing off after last week, it feels like the conversation is in such a wildly different direction. And we all understand the Tampa Bay Buccaneers were a much more imperfect opponent. The 49ers are one of the two best rosters in the NFL, but we had gotten that game at the stage in the playoffs where we needed it from Dak. And now a week later, I feel like on different levels, Dak and Daniel Jones had the same sort of thing happen at the end of their season to stay inside the division. Where somewhere in between those two performances is probably the actual measure of the quarterback. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And that's, I think that's been, 
that's been the frustrating thing about watching Dak this year is all those glimpses have been there. Like he played some fantastic football this year. He really did. I mean, I, again, pull up any number you want to, like from the time he came back from the thumb injury, the Cowboys were top three in scoring. They were top three in total offense efficiency. They were like, they were converting something stupid, like 60% of their third downs for like the entire second half of the season. Just, just stuff that you don't see super often from guys who aren't named like Mahomes. Um, but at, then at the same time, he threw 17 interceptions, which he he was turning the ball over at basically triple what we're used to seeing. Um, is that a product of teams figuring out the Cowboys scheme a little bit more than we're used to? Is it a product of his supporting cast not being up to snuff? Is it a product of him not trusting what he sees? Or the boring truth is it's probably a little bit of all of those things. Um, but it's it's wild, like the way that it fluctuated where you're like, okay, I get it. The Buccaneers were not a world beater this year. But to, to dice up a playoff caliber opponent the way he did on Monday night and then look as inept as he did against the 49ers um, – it's a pretty perfect encapsulation of just how all over the place this season has been. So for him, his future's not really in any jeopardy with this team. Like, I don't know, you've probably seen this up close much more than I have, but the death rattle in the Cowboys fan base where you hear every sort of possibility under the sun uttered about what may happen with Dak Prescott, who gets a much bigger number come next year. Those contract numbers and the dead cap hits start to really climb and affect like you talked about the rest of that roster. Dak's not going anywhere. That's not a realistic thing. So as we look down the list, are there any realistic changes to be made? Like, is Mike McCarthy's job something that even as a guy that's had the record he has in back-to-back years and back-to-back playoff seasons, something that actually might be on the chopping block with that whole Sean Payton specter looming? (sighs) I really, I, I, I hope not. And I mean, I think the world of Sean Payton, he's a wonderful coach. That's obviously been something people have talked about for years. Literally. I mean, I grew up a Saints fan. And so like, I remember being paranoid that Sean was going to leave for Dallas way back when I was in like high school. So like, I understand this saga. Um, but man, like what the wild thing is like, this is this is the closest the Cowboys have come to true stability in a long, long time. Like 06, 07 is the last time they made back, back-to-back playoff trips. And 94, 95 is the last time they won 12 games in back-to-back seasons. And really, that's the beauty of the Cowboys is like, if you look at these, look at these seasons in a vacuum and it's like, okay, you won 12 games. You ran into a Niner team that's a buzzsaw. Uh, You come back. You win 12 games again. You go further in the playoffs, and your quarterback has a stinky game against the best defense in the league. Like Maybe you're not thrilled, but it would not be the cataclysmic event that it is if it weren't the Cowboys and it weren't 30 years of futility compounding upon itself. Like If this was... Like a Matt, like if Trevor Lawrence does this next year, is anybody going to freak out and just, you know what I mean? Like that type of idea. So I do think the Cowboys brand plays a role in all of this, but no, honestly, that's, I said this last night and I have to check myself against being a Homer, but like, I, 
I feel somewhat optimistic about where the Cowboys can go from here, in all honesty. Like, if you look at what they have to – the work that they have to do, you're not running up on a ton of, like, contracts that you just have to sort out right now. Like, they got to figure out what to do with Tony Pollard, um, Anthony Brown, their number two cornerback, whose absence was a big deal down the stretch. They got to figure that out. Um, but in terms of like big time pieces, and I, I suppose Dalton Schultz is another one. That's about it. I mean, like Terrence Steele, your right tackles are restricted free agent. You got a lot of young players. Like you feel great about what a guy like Tyler Smith did this year. Your young core of players like CD, Micah Parsons, Trayvon Diggs, they're all under contract for next year. Um, so like, I really, I feel like there's potential to really like do some good things in this off season. I think that probably starts with figuring out what to do about Ezekiel Elliott. I don't know how you justify paying him $16 million moving forward. So I think something has to be done there. Um, but I think for the most part, like this is a pretty young team. The age is in the right places. Like your quarterback, you know, having a eight year veteran quarterback is not a bad thing in my opinion. Um, and you're not worried – like it's not like you're coming into this situation where you're like, oh, my God, like we're going to lose Micah Parsons to free agency. No. Um, so I think once people get over the heartbreak of another promising season not getting past the divisional round, all things considered, like I don't think the Cowboys are in that unhealthy of a place. I think you're right. I think that's one of the hardest places, especially given the brand for a lot of fans to end up in the NFL because – with how much of a 24-hour and 365 day this has become, we're always looking for the big solution or the splash thing that can happen or some sort of dramatic change that can get you over that hump. But you brought it up. Part of this is the Cowboys brand. And I do wonder, in a very like college football-ish way, how much of this is also having to watch the Eagles do what they're doing right now inside that division and having to watch them come from that 2017 title and already have this revamped around a different coach and a different quarterback dominating in that division and getting ready to potentially march to a Super Bowl at the same time. Yeah, I mean, I think the Eagles are one of the best run organizations in football and it will it's going to sting a lot if the Eagles pull this off in a way that the Cowboys were unable to. And I think the world of the job that Jalen Hurts has done this year he, I mean, amazing. Don't get me wrong. Second team all pro speaks for itself. But the Eagles have been able to surround him with a badass at every position because it doesn't cost any money. And the Cowboys famously were not able to do that when Dak was cheap. And so it's going to sting if the Eagles are able to do that. But uh, for my money, Howie Roseman is easily one of the three best executives in football. And I just, the Eagles are never satisfied. Like they've been that way for years. When they won in 2017, they were wheeling and dealing to get guys onto their team. This year, not just to get A.J. Brown, not just to get, um, you know, who who else? Uh, James Bradbury. Uh, to go out in the middle of a season, like you have a couple bad games of run defense and you're like, all right, well, we're going to go get Ndamukong Sue and Linval Joseph. Like, they're never satisfied by the team that they have. And I think long-suffering Cowboy fans will tell you that you don't get the same vibe from the Cowboys. Like, whether you want to call it complacency, whether you want to call it overestimating the talent on hand. I mean, the funny thing is, 
the Cowboys went way further than I thought they would this year. Honestly, I had them missing the playoffs because you trade Amari Cooper, you lose you lose depth, you lose these these extra pieces, you lose a guy like Cedric Wilson who was so valuable for them. And they like didn't do anything to improve it. They were just like, yeah, I mean, CD is going to step into Amari's role and Michael Gallup will come back from his ACL surgery eventually. And we'll just, we'll be fine. We'll roll. And I like, I felt like a broken record all through the off season, just being like, this isn't enough. There's not enough juice here to do what you want to do. Like, how is this team better than last year's team? And in a lot of ways, they proved me wrong. Right up until you get to the divisional round of the playoffs, Tony Pollard, uh, you know, sprains his ankle right before halftime. And not to like let Dak completely off the hook, but who other than CD Lamb on that offense really scares a defense as good as the 49ers? Um, so I think honestly, it sounds weird to say, but like I almost feel like the Cowboys overachieved this year. I'm sure that will be met with plenty of derision, but. <laughs> Just based on like again, like look at what the Cowboys did in the offseason versus what a team like the Eagles did and tell me that it's the same. So that's why I'm fascinated to see what happens from here. Like if you're the Cowboys, do you look at this and say, We have a pretty good quarterback? Clearly he needs a lot more. Like he's just not on that level. He's not Patrick Mahomes capable of saying goodbye to Tyree Kill and still being the league MVP. He's just not that guy. But he's still pretty good. Can we do more to surround him with talent? Are there free agents we could go out and get? Are there trades we could swing in the offseason for disgruntled, you know, for a Brandon Cooks? Yeah. What can we do in the draft? Um, and it just didn't feel like they were willing to do that this year. I wonder if being this close makes them change their attitude about that. Or do they double down? Or, you know, the like the most vocal minority of the Cowboys fan base would say, maybe they should just blow it all up. I don't see that happening. Uh, but I would like to think that this inspires the Cowboys to be a little bit more aggressive. Cause I feel, I feel overall pretty good about the state of their roster. It just needs, it just needs a little more. As they look for juice in that roster in certain spots right there, the one thing that I am also curious about, just because both of them are names that have been talked about for the last couple seasons, do you see both coordinators back next season between Dan Quinn and Kellen Moore? I just, reading the tea leaves, I think I would be shocked to see Dan Quinn back with the Cowboys. Like, he he took every interview under the sun last year, and now he's interviewing again. Um, I think his... His pedigree as both a head coach who's been there and done that and then as a very successful defensive coordinator these last two years, I think that speaks for itself. And I also, I mean, I think, you know, Jerry Jones had to pull a Jerry special last year just to keep him around. I'm obviously, NFL teams don't have to disclose their coaches' salaries, but I feel very confident saying Dan Quinn got a nice little pay bump to hang around. I don't know if you can do that all over again. Uh, so I, I, I'm going to step out on a not very shaky limb and say, I think Dan Quinn maybe isn't here next year. Kellen Moore is interesting to me because he's a lot like Dak Prescott, in my opinion, the numbers will tell you that he's mostly very good. Like the Cowboys have been top five in production and scoring like every year that he's been the OC. But if you want to say, yeah, well, they've fallen apart in a lot of really big games. This is two years in a row where they haven't cracked 20 points in a playoff game. Um, you know, it looks very static. 
They lean too much on the early down runs, way too many like static routes, just like comebacks and curls and all this annoying stuff. Like they just don't look as uh, creative and their offense doesn't make life as easy on their quarterback as say a Kyle Shanahan offense does. I think all of that's fair too. Like I think you are very, it's very reasonable to be frustrated by Kellen Moore's offense. But they've also been very, very good for most of his tenure. So I don't know what to do with that. Like, I I don't think that that is a fireable offense. Um, I also don't know that Kellen Moore has been inspiring enough to be hired away as a head coach. So that's a that's a tricky spot to be. Like maybe, you know, if I had to guess, this is just my cynical answer from being around the NFL for a while. You know, maybe you fire the quarterbacks coach or the receivers coach, like bring in some new guy, like just enough voices to be like, look, it's different while also keeping the overall structure the same. I think if I had to guess, that's what I would go for. Yep. Move a couple of things around on the dinner plate and then hand it back and act like you ate your food. Uh, that's it. Yeah. But that you're a, you're a wordsmith. That's a way more fun way of saying it than what I did. I'm also a lifetime fat kid. So I've never really <laughs> had to exercise that option all that much. Cause usually it's going in the tank and not around the plate, but uh, I understand all the tactics of war when it comes to uh, the plate and what's on it there. So uh it's, uh, it's going to be, as always, an exciting and entertaining offseason for the Cowboys. We appreciate your time. We hope it's half as entertaining as the final play that the Cowboys ran here. If nothing else, they gave us that gift for the annals of time. Zeke Elliott running a play at center to just show the rest Look, of the world that it's a lot harder than you expect. Which, you know, shout out to Zeke for giving you O-linemen that credit. But, like, look, Zeke might be overpaid, but he's been a good soldier for – basically his entire time in Dallas, like he, he's been a, a, like a model running back. He's helped you get all the tough yards. He's stayed out of the news for the last like five years. I think Zeke was, was well within his right to be like, you want my last image of this season to me, be me getting dump trucked. Like I would refuse and be like, ain't no way I'm getting pancaked on this play that has no chance. Like ask somebody else. I'm not doing it. Everyone involved is going to have to wear the stain of that, but you're right. It's going to be his signature on that photo for years to come. Zeke that like that gif is going to exist for years. And for what for eight, for a nine yard gain for Kevante Turpin to get tackled immediately. Like I would not have blamed Zeke at all. If he'd like, I will meet y'all in the locker room, but I'm not being part of this farce. Like it's not happening. That but. play had to be so fun to practice in the walkthrough and so completely foobar when it got there. It's just a bunch of guys running around in short. Zeke gets to go up there and point out the mic and get down and do his center stance, and then it all just goes to shit. And, yeah, and like everybody at the walkthrough is like, if we ever actually run this, we are totally fucked. And yep. then they call it during the game. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, when keeping it real goes incredibly, incredibly wrong. Uh, everybody check out speak on FS one phenomenal job. Uh, Dave, we appreciate the time, man. Thanks so much. And, uh, hopefully we'll get to talk to you better, uh, soon under better circumstances. Anytime, my man, I appreciate it. Sound the trumpets. It's horse racing time. So saddle up for the action with DK horse an official DraftKings affiliate. Right now, new customers who download the DK Horse app can get a 100% deposit bonus up to $250. Just deposit $25 or more and complete the playthrough requirement. 
Wager on your favorite horses, then watch the races live right in the app. Download the DK Horse app now. New customers get a 100% deposit bonus up to $250 when they opt in with code GOLIT. Only on the DK Horse app. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER, 18+, plus, 21+, plus in certain states, to open or access an account and resident of a state where DK Horse is available. Eligibility restrictions apply. Void where prohibited. One per new customer. Match calculated on first deposit up to a maximum of $250. Deposit requires two-time playthrough of settled wager within 168 hours. Bonus released in $25 increments. Deposit and eligibility restrictions apply. See terms at dkhorse.com. All right, Brandon, time to land the plane. Do you know what time it is? I do, Mike. And when I was thinking about what this, that, and the third we can do today, I was like, who's the biggest cowboy fan I know? And I just kept landing on Post Malone. And uh, that song that he got famous with is just haunting. White Ivers. But I'm going to put a little switch to it. Them cowboys done When they started ballin' I was young You gon' think about me when I'm gone I need that money like the ring they never won I want saucin', I'm saucin', I'm saucin' on you I'm this dad, I'm this dad, I'm this dad, ooh And the third, and the third, and the third on you Oh, watch out, oh, watch out, oh, watch out, yeah It's my shot, it's my shot, it's my shot, yeah I'm spending, I'm spending on my f***ing pain I'm okay, I was always, I'm always afraid to jump in at the end when you're done with these things <laughs> It's been a while since I've gotten railroaded, so how do you feel about that? Ugh you know what? I'm not bad. Not bad. It's, when it comes to what the essence of it is, like one of the most popular search terms under White Iverson is why is this song so popular? And I think that's the same with the Cowboys. Like what what what's about what is it about this thing? Yeah. Nobody people, knows what it's it intoxicating. Means. It's provocative. Yeah. It gets the people going. Um, if it got you going, make sure you download, subscribe, rate, review, Gojo, five-star rating. Tell Brandon what a good job he has done. Drop him in there. We need them reviews still. Don't slack. It's not time to stop now. Not till we hit 1K. I won't feel good about it, and I won't let up on asking. I want to see that one grand. To me, that's one of those arbitrary signifiers of success. I need it. I am that selfish. I am that shallow. I need it. Hey, if we're having a little town hall meeting, we're 300 away. I, I did the calculations. I, I imagine we'll probably get there within our first year. But if y'all can, if y'all can lap us in the first year, we'd be we'd happy to have you. Again, we're at 17, 17 or 717 right now. Make a wish. Leave some dumb yeah. shit there. Leave a recipe there. Leave the same quote. There's one guy that spams it with the same comment he's been making, and I love that dude for it. Hottest 40 <laughs> under 40 voices in the game right now. We see you out there. I appreciate you. Go ahead with it. Somebody, somebody uh, told me to do picture me rolling uh, eventually. So even if it's a this, that, and third suggestion, I know we used to say that a lot. 
but fill it in. Whatever you want to do, communicate with us. We'll talk to you about uh, uh, talk about it on the podcast. Shout out to the person who had a dream about you and said something very specific that you probably have said to me once before. So exactly. Shout out to Eve Pops, best forty under forty voices there. You all matter. I read them. I'm very insecure. I love you guys, uh, Brandon. <laughs> let's get to this. Uh, this is news for your Los Angeles Lakers, according to Adrian Wojnarowski. The Lakers have acquired Wizards forward Rui Hachimura for Kendrick Nunn and three second-round picks the team announced on Monday. Now, Brandon, you couple this. Uh, Hachimura, 24 years old, who had grown unhappy without a rookie contract extension, was also becoming less of a priority this season. He gets a new home. The Lakers are also bracing for the return of Anthony Davis, who's been doing well in scrimmages, revamping from injury. How you feeling about the most entertaining 12 seed maybe in the history of the Western Conference? <sighs> the thought of us trading for a someone who was a top 10 draft pick in 2019 worries me slightly, but there's still that chance that, that they could be somebody. Mike, I don't know who the hell this person was before this because I don't watch the Washington Wizards unless I'm uh, chasing a Bradley Bill uh triple-double or, or whatever the hell goes on over there. And ever since John Wall left, I definitely didn't check in. So I, I didn't – everyone on Twitter seemed to be excited about it, so I'm excited about it. But I'm not tap, tapping in into the NBA until, what is it, uh, February 12th, uh, All-Star break time, you know. And, and, and I, I look forward to seeing what he can do. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And if you're new to DraftKings, you got to check this out. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code GOJO. That's code GOJO for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. There we go. Evaluated as we go here. Uh, happy trails to Kendrick Nunn. Enjoy your time in Washington. And Brandon, while he's there, as we get to that, he can enjoy placing a bet inside of the Commander Stadium. The Washington Ooh. Commanders became the first NFL team to open a sports book inside the stadium this past Friday, partnering with Fanatics. Now, the Arizona Cardinals had opened a sports book, but it was outside the stadium. So Washington gets the credit for opening inside the stadium. Um, they got approval from the Arizona State Lottery and Gaming Control Commission for that. Obviously, Brandon, this is a far cry from the world where Tony Romo got once got told as a player he couldn't go to some fantasy football convention. We get the league's been taking gambling money for a while. Shout out to the league and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports gambling partner of the NFL. We love to see it. But Brandon, this for the Washington Commanders feels like big, big stepdad energy. Mm, where it's like, yes. Hey, um, you say big. You say big stepdad energy. I thought uh, free buffet in Vegas energy. Well, it just seems like 
you're not addressing the thing that people have asked you about. Like, people want mm. Dan Snyder to sell the team. People want them to not have a giant shithole as a stadium. People just want to not get covered in dirty water when they go there. Or worry about a banister collapsing on an opposing player while they're there. Or for you to show respect to their all-time greats with the murals that you create. Now, it's nice that you gave people sports gambling inside a stadium. That's cool, and I'm sure people are going to have a good time. But we would just like you to do the basics. We would just like you to love us and pick us up from school you don't have to just ball out on the christmas gift yeah like yes yes uh, don't buy my love um but hey <laughs> money talks baby like I, I think they are on the up and up as as jeff bezos shout out to dan chris as as jeff bezos is is ready to put in his bid for the washington commanders i feel like this is a this is something that they can work this is something the new management can work with this also highlights the ridiculousness of the Calvin Ridley suspension yet again. Oh, like, y'all got that man for a year of his career because he wanted to put a 15-leg parlay down on not the NFL. Or, I th uh, no, it was, was it was it the NFL? He wasn't, it was, yeah. It was, it, it was the NFL. It was the NFL. So, like, yeah, don't do that. But also, you got a sports book inside one of the stadiums. At some point, we got to be consistent on this stuff. I get yeah. integrity of the game, all that stuff. It makes sense. Let players gamble on non -fo not football. Stop making that such a big deal. Shout out to that coach that got popped for betting on like overseas basketball or something. Let's try to move on from that. So uh, we'll probably see more of this now because I'd imagine uh, this is a some is great, more is better moment. And even if Washington probably did this for a little bit of good press, other people will take notice. This will probably start to become a trend. But Brandon... Let's get to the most important story of the day in the third. A McDonald's employee accidentally gave a customer $5,000 in cash. That customer then went viral for returning it on TikTok. Um, TikTok user, um, I almost called him Sausage McMuffin. TikTok user Josiah Vargas claims that when he picked up his breakfast order, the employee at the window handed him a bag with what he estimated was $5,000 in cash in a bunch of Ziploc baggies. Um, now, he documented the experience of returning that cash to the McDonald's, saying, why would you guys do this to me? Do you know how bad I want this money? Why put me in this situation? The McDonald's employees were elated, almost tearful when he brought this money back, and ended up rewarding him with a $200 gift card and free McDonald's for a month, which he jokingly said wasn't the best trade value in the world. Brandon, <laughs> he made the joke and asked if they were laundering money, Seeing the video and seeing these cash bills inside multiple Ziploc bags inside this bag. Are they selling drugs at that McDonald's? Uh, okay, 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 okay. They may be selling drugs at McDonald's uh, nationwide, but I don't know if Ronald has anything to do with it. I, it there well, yeah, I'm, some, to be clear, uh, I'm not. To be, uh, I'm not accusing Ronald McDonald of anything. I don't want the McDonald's legal team dropping me at our door. But I should say this: was someone selling drugs at that McDonald's or delivering some sort of other payment to someone in the process through that McDonald's? Because I don't know how much of McDonald's money for the register is kept in Ziploc baggies. 
Yes, I okay. I'm with you, and I'm all for the conspiracy theory. Everybody here knows this. And I, I originally I thought, okay, this is a somebody came and asked and tried to order the 33, and wink, wink, nudge, nudge, and you know it got to the wrong customer. You know they got those two uh, windows, and the cars get crossed up a little bit now. There's a double window situation. You don't know who's getting what. But Mike, I also thought about someone at work, and I know McDonald's is. I don't know if you knew, but the labor market was really uh, sinking about last year, and they were just begging people to come to work. And one of the things McDonald's did was you get paid every week. And some say you get paid every day, right? So with that, they may have a lot of petty cash sitting around to high, to feed uh, feed to, to pay off employees that choose and elect to get paid in cash because they want to get paid debt daily because they don't want to go through the rigmarole of uh, maybe they don't have a, a direct deposit account or something like that. So it feels like, and especially McDonald's, like where else would you put all this money that you're going to eventually give uh, uh, employees? You just put it in a, in a plastic McDonald's bag that can take the weight, right? The, the that's, one that's a sack. That's probably the simplest solution to this. And it makes sense. I guess I'm just saying, and I understand the new wave is to just put everything online. Hell, I took a yes. picture of myself in a skincare mask this morning and put it on the internet. Who am I to judge? <laughs> All I'm saying is, if I saw a bag full of money wrapped in Ziploc bags, I probably wouldn't broadcast it to anybody. And I would probably take that back very quietly. Because on the off chance it belongs to some people who may be looking for right. that money, I don't want right. to be the one found with it. Yes, yes. And also, uh, I definitely would have given that money back, Mike. And uh, uh, Aubrey, uh, super producer here, said that she may not have given that bag back. And I appreciate that. And you got you to gotta risk it for the biscuit. The fact that the biscuit was a $200 gift card and the guy was there for all the right reasons there. He was there for breakfast. He was there for breakfast, got a sausage McMuffin. He should have got a McGriddle, but that's neither here nor there. He had good intentions and and... He stumbled across the bag, Mike. I don't know. I probably I probably would have shortened up one of those Ziploc bags. And also, the reason I don't think it's drug money, it was too many small bills in there. So, um, I, as, as honorable as I am, like, I would have taken $40. You know what I'm saying? Just for something. Maybe maybe a pair for Jordans. Maybe something to get us something off the sneaker app. But he should have shortened it up a little bit. But I thought he did the right thing by bringing that cash back. Because I don't want them problems. I'm just glad you brought up the McGriddle as the superior breakfast sandwich choice at McDonald's. If you believe that this is the McGriddle of podcasts, make sure you download, subscribe, rate, review, go, Joe, wherever you get your podcast. Leave us a five-star rating. Leave us some of them reviews we talked about. And check us out on the DraftKings YouTube channel under the Gojo with Mike Golick Jr. tab. Thanks so much. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Boom. Money in the bank.